Hello and welcome. We are Restoration Church in beautiful Prescott, Arizona. My name is Nate Huss. I'm one of the team members here. And thank you for joining us. If you are new, glad you found us. If you'd like to learn more, we are at restorationaz.org. This week, Ron Merrill jumps into week four of our hospitality practice, Hospitality to the Fellow Believer. Well, good morning, church. Um, This is a a good time for us to dive into the words. So if you have your Bible, I'd love for you to open to the book of Philippians and go to chapter two this morning. Like Pastor Landon said, we're wrapping up a series on hospitality today. And uh, if you haven't been with us for the journey so far, what we've really come to be reminded of or maybe learned for the first time is hospitality is really God's heart. Hospitality, I mean, in in the Old Testament, hospitality in the New Testament, hospitality is something that God desires for me and you even today, that there's even theological elements of hospitality that we see of God, in particular in the Old Testament, where hospitality was kind of an undeserved favor being expressed to certain individuals. Uh, It was an unmerited raise in status that was given through hospitality. Uh, we, we've learned that, that hospitality at its heart is kind of opening our hearts and maybe even opening our homes so that other people might find a home in God. That, that God himself is hospitable and that he calls his people to be hospitable people. And we've learned that God's got a heart for hospitality towards strangers God's got a heart for hospitality toward our actual geographic neighbors, that he's put us in the places that he's put us, literal neighborhood for a particular reason, to be a light and a blessing to the people across the street or next door. He's called us to be hospitable to our life neighbor, our our community neighbor, the the people that you might work with or uh, friends that you have that are out and about in your community that cross your path for some reason or another. And today, we're going to be reminded that God's got a huge, huge heart for hospitality amongst fellow believers, that we are called to express hospitality toward brothers and sisters in Christ, that that's God's heart. Hospitality is huge. Think about it. What can replace hospitality? You know, there's a lot of things in life, if you remove, then there's probably something else that might be able to take its place. I'm convinced hospitality is not one of those things. It's got a huge place for us because there's something about hospitality, hospitable people, hospitable hearts, especially hospitable followers of Jesus that keeps our our, our spiritual fires lit. It's so easy for my heart to grow cold toward the word, toward the Lord, toward people, when I'm kind of removed from hospitable believers, when I'm, when I'm too separate from the family of God, I cool off spiritually really quick. 
If, if you barbecue, you're familiar with this, especially the old school barbecue. I'm not talking about the kind where you plug in a propane thing or a gas thing and you press a button, it lights up. I'm talking about charcoal briquettes. If you're, if you're old, you know what charcoal briquettes are. You had to buy a bag, and they had little briquette, rock, coal sorts of things in there. You dump them in a kettle, and then if you're like me, then you douse them in probably about three gallons of lighter fluid just because you like the whoosh when you light it. Then you light the thing on fire, and then those coals, they go from black to red to white hot. And the flame starts to die down, but the heat that those coals can retain is tremendous. And left together, those coals can retain heat for a long, long time. But what happens if you take some tongs and you remove just one of those coals from the rest, it goes cold really, really fast. I think it's the same when it comes to hospitality amongst fellow believers. If we try to walk in unhospitable ways, walk separate from the crowd, we remove ourselves from hospitality in the family, then our spiritual fires can grow cold. And so God's heart for hospitality is huge. I hope if you've caught nothing else over the last month that that's it. And it would remind us that that heart that God has is to be our heart, to open our hearts to the people around us. Um, There are some legitimate challenges uh, to hospitality. We've already talked to, uh, talked to, talked about a number of these challenges, but uh, here's a handful uh, to, to check out. There's some challenges to hospitality with regard to the fact that we're all overwhelmed. doesn't really matter what age you are, what stage of life you are, it's really easy to get overwhelmed with the vast majority of stuff that we need to get done today, and it works against us being hospitable opening my heart, opening my home, because I'm overwhelmed with everything else that I got to do. There's a legitimate challenge to hospitality and the fact that we're just too busy. It's related to being overwhelmed. We got too much going on. And we have so packed every minute of our life out that when God drops one other element into it, there's no room. It causes stuff to fall off the plate or off the page. And we're, we're just too, too busy. Um, one of the challenges legitimately to hospitality is that there's just so many people. Am I supposed to be hospitable to all of you? <laughs> me alone with 100 people? Me alone with 150? I mean, some, some of you feel that way. And, and it's tough. So what's it look like to be tuned into the Holy Spirit enough to go, you know what? Lord, you've called me to be hospitable today or this week to just one person. And we didn't miss the one that the Lord had in mind for us rather than just a feeling of I've got to be the Messiah, the hospitable Messiah to every single person that comes across my path. There are too many people, but that's why he's given us a family. There's different members that you can minister to that I can't. Another challenge is that there's a perfection or nothing mindset that comes to hospitality with some of us. You go, unless I can be perfectly hospitable, then I'm not going to do it at all. 
And that, that's a real deal. And there's also a, a challenge of the fact that we've kind of grown up in this American culture that's very, very independent. We don't like to or feel like we should rely on anybody else for anything. And at the heart of accepting hospitality is kind of saying, gosh, I do need some people. I do need some community. And the American way is, I don't need you. I'm fine. I drive into my neighborhood. I hit the garage door opener. The garage goes up. I drive the car in. Before I have even got out of the car, I close the garage door so I don't have to talk to you. I don't have to be hospitable because I'm on my own. And I, I don't need you. And I hope you don't need me. If you need someone, then just ask the government for help. That's the way this works today. That's just not the Christian way. It's not God's heart for the church. And God's heart for hospitality amongst believers, followers of Jesus, brothers and sisters, ministering to each other, is a reminder that hospitality isn't just a means of evangelism. Do you know that, that the gospel needs to go out amongst followers of Jesus every single week? I need to preach the gospel to myself every single day. I need to have some other brother or sister in Christ minister the gospel, live it out to me, even though I've been walking with Jesus and saved for years. The gospel can come through hospitality even amongst his church. And the Bible is filled with verses that talk about the need for hospitality amongst fellow believers. Tons. You want just a few? Good. Here's some. John chapter 13. John chapter 13, words of Jesus. And the world will know that you are my disciples by what? By the way that you love each other. That's huge. Third John, uh, we almost taught from Third John this weekend. If you're not familiar, there's, there's actually a, a letter in the Bible called Third John, and it's like this big. The whole thing's about hospitality. Some really good examples of hospitality and one really bad one right in the middle. Romans chapter 12, there's a call to hospitality be practiced toward the saints, toward fellow believers. Matthew chapter 10 reminds us there's a reward that is given to the, the ones who uh, support those who are carrying the gospel. Uh, traveling missionaries, there's, there's, there's a reward to the supporters as well as the soldiers, Hospitality should be practiced there. There's a line that just says, there's a reward to those who just give a cup of cold water. Hospitality toward those who are doing ministry. That's ministry in itself. Galatians 6 says that we're to do good to all, but especially to the household of faith. Hospitality amongst the family is key. Hebrews 10, familiar passage. If you're in a practice group right now, you'll talk about this passage this week. 
But it's a reminder that we're called to spur one another on. To what? To love and good deeds. It's another way of talking about hospitality. And to not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. You know, it's really difficult to be hospitable if you never meet together. And then there's an amazing passage, Matthew chapter 25, where Jesus talks about whatever you've done to the least of these, you've done to me. You fed me, you clothed me, you gave me something to drink or eat. Then it's like it's doing it to Jesus. Well, we use that a lot to talk about what we need to do to the poor or the least of these in our culture. But there's a good argument in that scriptural passage if you kind of do the work that what Jesus is talking to there, the least of these might refer to the least of these amongst the family of God. Whatever you've done to the least of these brothers or sisters, implying that might be a family affair that he's talking about. So, so God's heart for us to practice hospitality amongst each other is huge. How many churches have you gone to you attend a service, and it, there's an icky frost that just creeps out when you walk in the lobby and when you're interacting with the people because there's no hospitable heart there. The program was good. The service was good. But if there's not hospitality here, if there's not hospitality in relationship outside of here, in the practice groups, in relationship that you can take on yourself as followers of Jesus then we're falling short. You know how many one another's there are in scripture that Jesus calls to? We can't even be obedient to the word of God if we're not in relationship with each other, being hospitable. But there's one passage in scripture, Philippians chapter two, that I just wanna walk through a handful of verses that, that hit this on the head so clearly God's heart for hospitality amongst the family of God that uh, it's worth taking a look at again, even though it's a familiar one. It's actually one of my favorite chapters in the scriptures. But Philippians, it's kind of interesting. There's, there's a real hospitality that, that Paul had experienced among the Philippian believers. Uh, you go to Acts chapter 16 and you can read about some of the life of the church in Philippi, and you hear echoes of it in this letter here. In Philippians, we find out that the Philippian believers were real generous Christians, not just financially, but with their hearts, hospitable. They were also really loyal to Paul, hospitable. But Paul is writing this letter to them from Rome where he's in prison. And what he started to discover amongst Christians in Rome where he was is that they weren't all that hospitable to each other. There was friction and tension and conflicts amongst Christians in Rome. And he's aware that those conflicts and tensions, there's a threat to those coming up in the church in Philippi. And so Paul is, in this letter, he's, he's fighting for the relationship, the hospitality amongst believers. 
Paul's constantly fighting for the hospitality amongst believers, but he's doing it here even with the believers in Philippi. And so here's kind of his roadmap. Here's his, his some tools to help contend for the heart of God for hospitality amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. Philippians chapter 2, verse 1. If then there's any encouragement in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, dot, dot, dot. In other words, if, if you and I have received any hospitality from God himself, and we'll just pause there for a second. Have you, have you been blessed or encouraged or strengthened, if not flat out saved, because God opened his heart to you? Because God welcomed you in when you were a stranger? If you've experienced any of the blessings that come from a hospitable God, then, verse 2, Paul says, fulfill my joy by thinking the same way, having the same love, sharing the same feelings, focusing on one goal. If you've experienced the hospitality of God, then he says, okay, here's the key to hospitality. And we put it on the screen for you. The key to hospitality amongst fellow believers is focusing on what you have in common rather than what divides. We're trained culturally, even in amongst different denominations and churches in general, there's kind of a Oh, here, here's what we have that divides us. Here's where we don't line up rather than what's the core stuff that we have in common. And then amongst a local body like us as Restoration Church, how much even more so do we lay down the stuff that's different about us? We got a diverse set of people here. You know, that's actually a blessing. Yeah, it can be a rub and it can be annoying sometimes, but do you know how much we also have in common Sometimes to look at what we have in common, we've got to get back to Jesus. We've got to get back to the gospel, what it says about us, what it says about him. We're family. And family is, it's good to experience hospitality. Some of the best hospitality that you can experience is in the context of family, and some of you know as well as I do, some of the most painful, hurtful things you've ever experienced have been in family. And that's so tough. Because it's easy, you get around each other and it's easier for whatever reason in our sin nature to see what's different about us, what we don't like about each other, than what's in common. And when we focus on what's in common, this is also key Hospitable believers who focus on what's in common can cultivate godly thoughts, love, feelings, and perseverance toward the common goal of glorifying God. So the key to hospitality amongst each other is to focus on what's in common. 
We're all sinners in need of the grace of Jesus Christ. Amen? And when we do focus on what's in common instead of what divides us, then there's an opportunity for God to use that hospitality to grow more of our godly thoughts and our godly feelings and grow the sense of this common perseverant goal that we've got to glorify God rather than rip each other to pieces. This is key for us as the church. You know, when, when I was first starting in, in ministry, I started as a youth pastor and I didn't have any clue what I was doing. And I was in this little mountain church in Lake Arrowhead, California. We had a large, large youth group. Our youth group was larger than the adult congregation of the church. And when I went in, um, it would have been really easy for the people of the church, the adults of the church, to look at me and only see what was different. Primarily because... um, Everybody in our church was 89 years or older, and I wasn't. You know, they had oxygen tanks on the end of the pews. I mean, it was that, that old, you know. You, you'd sing too long or whatever, and you'd think, well, we need chocker paddles now on the other end of the aisle here, because they were that old. And there were pews, there were wooden pews when I got there. And after my first week of working there, they'd spent some money to upholster the pews. Uh, Instead of just being wood that was uncomfortable if you're 104 to sit on for very long, then you cushioned them. They cushioned and upholstered these pews on my first week of the job. And we met as a youth group in the main sanctuary where these pews were. Well, my, my second week on the job, some junior hires got into the worship center sanctuary before any adult leaders did or before I was in there. And what they were doing was they were playing tag and chase, throwing grape jelly packets at each other in the sanctuary of the church. I'm not sure if we're real familiar with grape jelly packets, but (laughs) when they hit something, it's like a paintball and grape stains it turns out, brand new upholstered pews. And there was every opportunity for every single believer in that church to be really upset for a a number of reasons. It's irreverent to God. What are these kids doing? Now we've spent all this money and their pews are all stained up. I got up in church I was just hosting. The pastor was teaching that day. I was doing the announcements and whatnot. And I got up fully prepared to have them, you know, sacrifice me before God or slit my wrists or something. And I knew I needed to apologize. So I got up and I started my apology. I'm so sorry. I'm sure you've noticed by now the damage that was done to these these pews. And I just wanted to, and I couldn't even finish the word. A man over in the back on this side, Dr. Bob Carpenter. Dr. Bob Carpenter was um, probably in his 80s, had been a physician for his whole career. He stood up and interrupted me. And he said, Ron, 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 stop right there, stop right there. Don't say another word. 
He said, those grape stains will forever prove that we love our kids more than we love our pews. Keep doing what you're doing. That's hospitality. That's, that's an open heart of these seasoned saints in our church saying, we are opening our church building to kids who may or may not know Jesus, but we're opening our hearts to all sorts. And at the end of the day, if something gets broken, if something gets stained, but the gospel goes out, who cares? But they were focused on what we had in common and a common goal wasn't the preservation of the pews. It wasn't even the preservation of their dollars. It was the furthering of the gospel and it was the glorification of God. What a beautiful picture I'll never forget. In Philippians chapter two, verse three and on, now you get the roadmap of beautiful hospitality amongst brothers and sisters in Christ. You wanna be able to get to the heart of what it looks like. How do you practice hospitality amongst each other? This is what Paul says, simple stuff. Verse two, verse uh, three, first half. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit. You want to start being hospitable to people that are brothers and sisters in Christ? Then don't be selfish. It's not rocket science. Don't be prideful. Pride and selfishness will always work against hospitality in the family of God. It'll get us walking in here saying, what's in it for me today? What can you give me today? rather than walking in saying, what can I give today? God, how can you use me today? Whether it's on a Sunday or midweek or wherever, and you're amongst the family of God, that perspective that just says, I'm not selfish, I'm not prideful, God, work in me on that. I wanna have other people's interests in mind. In her book, Radically Ordinary Hospitality, a woman named Rosaria Butterfield said this, She said about she and her husband, Kent and I practice daily hospitality as a way of life because we must. We remember what it is like to be lonely. We remember the odd contradiction to be told on the Lord's day that you are a part of the family of God, but then to limp along through the rest of the long week like an orphan begging bread. We know that chronic loneliness can kill people and destroy their hope and their faith. If there's not a reason for believers to really kick into high gear their hospitality to other believers, it's because loneliness can often be as big a deal in the church as outside the church. We've got to be obedient and stop that. And it stops by saying, God, change my selfish, prideful heart. Help me see people the way that you do. Do nothing out of rivalry or conceit or arrogance. Philippians 2, 3b says, but in humility, here's the contrast. In humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. See, pride always separates. But humility pulls together. Humble hospitality. I think those words go together really, really well. 
humble hospitality. That always pulls people together. It unites people. It doesn't separate people. It says, in humility, consider others better than yourselves. Now, here's the reality. Nobody in here is better than anybody else. But what Paul's saying is this. What if we treated each other as if the other one were better? That's Dr. Bob standing up going, I'm going to treat the junior hires as if they're better than me. Out of humility. Because that's what humble hospitality does. Philippians chapter 2 verse 4 says, Everyone should look not only to her own interests, his own interests, but also for the interests of others. See, the heart of hospitality, the real heart of hospitality is just looking out for each other's interests. And amongst the family of God, we must be the most open-hearted with each other, the most ready to be there. And in order for you and I to really look out for each other's interests, I have to first know what your interests are, which might mean that I need to listen to you more than I talk to you. And so back to last week with hospitality amongst our life neighbors, one of the blessed things that you can do is just listen. One of the best ways to be hospitable is just to listen. And I need to get better at that. And get, get good at listening when you're out in the lobby. Get good at listening with each other before you, we start a service. Get good at making a coffee appointment or something throughout the week where you can just listen to where each other are at. And then lastly, verse 5 Paul sums it up quite nicely by saying, make your attitude that of Christ Jesus. And if you're not real familiar with what his attitude is, you keep reading. And the attitude of Jesus is one of humility. It's one of service. The attitude of Jesus is one of obedience to the plan of the Father. The attitude of Jesus was self-sacrifice. I, I want that attitude. If you and I have the attitude of Jesus amongst each other, my goodness, that's going to be a hospitable environment when God's heart and our heart line up. Last thought, if you're taking any notes, well, a couple more. One is hospitality is the Father's plan to further the spread of the gospel, even amongst believers. And so you and I can be actively involved in the plan of our Heavenly Father by just being hospitable amongst each other. That's huge. Raise your hand if you've ever had a need. Raise your hand if you'd be open to being used by God to meet somebody else's need. Cool. There's the church. There's hospitality. A few months ago, I hit a rough patch and I needed a family. I needed my family. I, I needed uh, some seasoned saints. And the encouragement that God brought in a rough patch, it didn't come from people who don't know Jesus. I got friends who don't know Jesus, and they love me, and it's great. But the real care, the real way that God walked me through was the care of some fellow believers that were hospitable to me. A couple of them are here in the room today. 
But the youth pastor that I had in high school was a guy named Eddie. I mentioned him last week. This is Eddie. He's the one that came in and he took me out for lunch. And Eddie just continues to love me to Christ. And so when I hit a rough patch a few months ago, guess who was the very first call that I received? It's a fellow brother in Christ that's been hospitable to me my whole life. It was him. It was about a week later, and and another youth pastor that came in my senior year of high school that I interned under during college, his name was Phil, who I learned everything I know about teaching the word of God from. This is my second youth pastor that taught me everything, and when I hit the skids and needed a hospitable heart, then Someone that's been practicing hospitality to me all along was used by God to strengthen me. And Phil gave me a call and encouraged me. There's another guy that didn't hire me 25 years ago. And he called me. He said, we've got down to two people, you and another guy. I'd love for you to come all the way down. I had to drive an hour and a half. I thought they're going to not make me drive all the way to tell me I didn't get the job. And yet that's what they did. I got down there and they said, you know what? Uh, We've decided to go with the other guy. Oh, okay. And he said, but I really love you and I value you. And we believe in you. That was 25 years ago. He still calls every two to three weeks to encourage me. He's been showing hospitality to me my whole life. And when I hit the skids a couple of months ago, guess who would call? But this guy, Jack, that's not Jack. There you go. (laughs) And he's a hospitable heart that's just a reminder that God cares. And then lastly, you want to know who else? You want to know who else? Um, When I was on the ropes a few months ago, a brother in Christ reached out just to see what I could uh, need some help with or how I could be encouraged. He might be familiar to you. Your pastor Landon gave me a call. And it was just to check on me and see how I was doing. And it's that sort of hospitality amongst believers, honestly, that's kept me in the game rather than throwing the towel. There's so much writing on the hospitality that we offer each other. Because the enemy's gunning for me and you. And he might use hospitality as a way to keep the enemy off and keep you and I strengthened. So let's invite God constantly to that. Because believers with hospitable hearts, believers with hospitable hearts, people, are way more impactful than programs or services. You can learn and value some programs and services and events But God uses his people to make the biggest difference in our lives. Let's be those sorts of people. And so gracious Heavenly Father, we just pause here for a moment and uh, thank you, Lord, for the way that you move, you minister, but so often through your people. Lord, help us to practice hospitality right here in our own church, not just when we gather on Sundays, but throughout the week or practice groups, wherever it might be. 
Use us however you see fit. I thank you for how you're using so many of these already to be a blessing to me, to be a blessing to each other. We just pray that you would stir up more and more of that and that the world would know that we're yours by the way they see us loving each other. Thank you for loving us first. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for joining us. We are Restoration Church. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. We're so glad that you were able to tune in. My name is Nate Huss, and I'm one of the team members here at Restoration. And uh, if you would like to learn more, please go to restorationaz.org. And as always, remember, Jesus is the only one who is trustworthy always, no matter the moment. So press on as we continue to practice the way of Jesus. Jesus.